Good morning, everyone. I greet you in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord. The Easter story, the resurrection story, is one of the most beautiful stories in the Scripture. It happened to Jesus. It happens for us. <clears throat> and I've been reading through the Gospels accounts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And just the, the just the story itself, the uh, the way it unfolded, and we've heard it this morning. <clears throat> Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, coming with their spices in the early morning, on the first day of the week, and worrying about the uh, concerned about the uh, the stone before the door of the tomb. And when they got there, it was rolled away. It was rolled away. It was open. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him, but go your way and tell the disciples. And so they did. The angel telling, making the, the first announcement. He is risen. And then these ladies uh, hurrying off to the disciples and telling them what happened. He is risen. And they thought it seemed to them as idle tales, as as uh, Gerald pointed out. But then the news was spreading. What wonderful news. The wonderful news of the resurrection. He is risen. He is alive forevermore after several of the blackest days of history. And what is so special about this news. Most news gets old. Has anyone come up to you recently all out of breath and said, did you hear that airplanes crashed into the Twin Towers in New York? No, that's, that's been over a dozen years ago. That's old news. It wasn't old news then. It was very fresh. And it was shocking and it was on everybody's mind. But it's old news now. Uh, recent big news to do with airplanes is that one that crashed into the French Alps uh, intentionally flown into the mountains by a deranged co-pilot killing all 150 on board. Now that happened was it last week? And details are still emerging about the co-pilot's mental health. But that news is already fading. It's, uh, it's soon going to be old news also. But the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is never, it's never old news. 
It's a critical piece of the good news, the gospel. The resurrection of Jesus is part of the doctrine of Christ. The divine son of God. We believe in his incarnation. We believe in his death and burial. His resurrection and ascension where he is. Thank you, brother. Where he is interceding for the saints and preparing a place. The resurrection was a central part of the uh, preaching of the disciples, the apostles. At uh, Pentecost, that first sermon after the coming of the Holy Spirit, Peter said how, said to the people, to the crowd, the thousands gathered there, that Jesus, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up. And just a few verses later in Acts 2, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. And then in the next chapter, when that lame man at the temple was healed, And people gathered around to see what was going on. And Peter said to them, Ye killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And then after uh, Peter was arrested, he said to uh, them in the next chapter, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you today, this formerly lame man. Then later Peter and others were uh, hauled before the uh, Sanhedrin when they were preaching, had been preaching in in the temple. And he said, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. And when Stephen was uh, being stoned, he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. And when Peter went to Cornelius's house, he spoke of Jesus whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. In Antioch, Paul to the Jews, and when they had fulfilled, notice how uh, there in early Acts, when he was talking to to the crowd in Jerusalem and to the Jews, the Sanhedrin, he was saying, you did this. And here, uh, Peter and Paul, now in Antioch, said, they, when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God, God raised him from the dead. And Paul to the Thessalonians, 
teaching that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And this is and this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And Paul on Mars Hill. God hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. The proof. And Paul to King Agrippa that Jesus should be the first that should rise from the dead. And other places as well. And many references in the epistles to Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus gave authority to the message of the apostles. They gave it as a fact, as a as a powerful evidence, the convincing evidence that, that gave credibility to their message. He hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. Paul said on Mars Hill. In Romans, the first chapter, he is declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of Holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The fact of the resurrection is recorded, it is told in Scripture. And it is believable to those who are open, open to it. The prophets in the Old Testament prophesied, uh, Romans 16, or rather Psalm 1610, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, Sheol, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Uh, Peter referred to that, that verse from Psalm in his Pentecost sermon. And Paul, when he was preaching to the Jews in Antioch, referred to it as well. <clears throat> so there were prophecies about Jesus' death, of course, and his resurrection. And Jesus explained that it was going to happen in Matthew 16, is one example. It says there that from that time forth, Jesus said, I'm going to be killed by the Jews and I will be raised again on the third day. His disciples heard that. They didn't process it very clearly in their minds. Jesus' enemies heard that. They remembered that after he was crucified. Some of those Jews remembered that. They were nervous about it. Many people saw him die. There were the soldiers, the mobs passing by and, and the passers-by. And then there were Jesus' friends and followers that were watching from, uh, from a distance. And then a few saw him buried. Joseph took the body, tenderly wrapped in linen, and laid him in his new tomb in the garden. But there were some women that watched, and maybe others. Um, see, did Nicodemus help? Anyway, there were a few that saw Jesus buried. And like I mentioned, the priests remembered 
what Jesus had said about the deceiver. They called him the deceiver, the fraud. And they said that if he, they wanted to uh, be sure that the stone, that there was a, a guard placed and there was a seal placed on the stone. And the women must have seen all of this too. And they went home and waited through the Sabbath. And then they came and heard that wonderful news there in the garden that Jesus was risen from the dead. And Peter said in his sermon on Pentecost that God hath raised up Jesus having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. It was, it was just an astonishing, miraculous event that Jesus arose from the dead. What terrific power in the face of all his enemies, his enemies among man, and his enemy Satan, all the forces of hell could not keep Jesus in that grave. Jesus was dead past tense. Jesus was buried, past tense, but he is alive forevermore. That's present and future. And this doctrine, this teaching must be believed. We must believe. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Tommy read this morning. And for us to experience the life of Jesus, we must believe in his resurrection. In Romans 10, we haven't gotten there yet in our Sunday school study, but in verse 9 it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or that Jesus is Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's important. That's critical. A dead Savior, a dead Savior is only a hero, not a Savior. Without the resurrection, all that the Scripture says about the abundantly sufficient sacrifice of Jesus and his shed blood, that only solution to sin and condemnation. All of that is only a solution that is locked away, unadministered, unavailable, and of no use, no benefit to us, if Jesus is not alive today. 
turn to First uh, Corinthians. <clears throat> First Corinthians fifteen. I want to read a number of verses here, beginning at verse one. First Corinthians fifteen. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Wherefore, whether it were of, were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. It would be an empty faith. It would be an unprofitable faith. A meaningless faith a vain faith, we would be of all men most pitiable, says another translation, or to be pitied, that we would believe something like that so fervently that is not real, that is not true. But now is Christ risen from the dead, says verse 20, and become the first fruits of them 
that slept. Many do not believe the resurrection. They've heard about the resurrection. They know about the Easter, about Easter, the story. They'd rather think about bunnies and eggs and other things. It's just too incredible. It's a little bit like creation. The process of of the resurrection, a new creation, it's it's as, as complicated and difficult as it is for some people to think about the creation. So evolution answers for them. It may be too frightening to think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If for the disciples, this this news was too good to be true. For those opposed to Jesus, it was news too bad to be true. They did not want it to be true. If it is true, if then Jesus is who he said he was. And Jesus' teachings demand a response, demand obedience. And it is true that Jesus will sometime hold man accountable and be his judge. So from the very beginning, there was a campaign to discredit, deny Jesus' resurrection. The elders paid the guards to say that the disciples stole the body. And people laugh at the idea. They mock it. A lot of opposition to the resurrection to Jesus. Some believe, some come to believe, but come slowly. It it was that way for the disciples, and I don't think we would have done any better. We wouldn't have understood those old prophecies any better than they did. And we wouldn't have listened and remembered Jesus' words any better than they did, I'm quite sure. The disciples couldn't believe the women. Peter and John ran to the tomb. They saw some evidence. For as yet it says they knew not the scriptures. It hadn't soaked in. They saw the evidence, John did, and he, he sort of put two and two together. Could it be, could it be a little mustard seed faith? And it began to grow. Jesus told Thomas, because you saw me, you believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. But all of them were pretty skeptical to start with. But they came to belief. They came to deep belief enough so that they committed their lives and gave their lives to it. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And it says in another place that great boldness came on them. And remember how that first evening 
when they were just they were still here thinking about the news they had heard and the rumors flying <clears throat> and they were locked in a room the door was shut for fear of the Jews what a changed group of men <clears throat> because they believed in a risen Lord. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Lord Jesus He is to be our master. That means surrender, acknowledging him as our Lord and following him, believing in the resurrected Savior that we can walk with him and that he gives us the grace we need, the new life to live the Christian life. Romans 4. <clears throat> verses 24 and 25. Last two verses of Romans 4. <clears throat> the promise. Righteousness. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He was delivered, he was betrayed and crucified and put to death. That's referring to the sacrifice the blood of Jesus shed, delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, the high priest, administering our atonement to send to us the Holy Spirit. In the next chapter, uh, Romans 5 and verse 10, For if when we were enemies, enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, through the blood of Jesus, the satisfactory atonement, we can be reconciled with God. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. There is a life to live from that moment of uh, accepting our Savior. The administration, the cleansing, the application of the blood. If we confess our sins, that's not at, when we're converted, that's the Christian life. And further, a life changed. A resurrection within the believer, a new life, 
Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There is a spiritual deadness from which no man can deliver himself, raise himself. Fallen man cannot make himself holy. Romans 7 impresses that on us. Joe taught that to the men's class this morning. We cannot live a holy life of ourselves. Even a good person, a good citizen, who is, does many good things and is considered and kind, he has a mind and a heart that has selfishness, that is unsurrendered. Only Christ can bring that change to those who surrender to him. Jesus, or rather Paul, wanted to know Jesus in that way, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He wanted that in his life, being made conformable unto his death, dying to self. And Ephesians 2, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He made you alive. Wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. I've been reading a biography of A.W. Tozer that loved, inspirational author. And he was a young teenager and um, they were, they had grown up on, he had grown up on a farm or earlier years had been on a farm. They ended up moving to a city, Akron, I believe, in Ohio. And um, one day a neighbor asked him if he was a Christian. He said he just wanted to talk to him sometime about becoming a Christian. And Aiden was his name, said, no, I'm not a Christian. But thanks for speaking to me. I'll, I'll give it serious thought. And sometime later, I don't know if that conversation ever happened or not, but sometime later, he was going home from work and he saw a crowd gathered there on the street and a man was talking with some accent and he couldn't understand quite what all he was saying, but he went up closer to listen. It was a street preacher and it really caught his attention 
And one thing really impressed him. The man said, if you don't know how to be saved, call on God, just call on God and call on him. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God will hear you. And Aiden went home and he went upstairs. This just really hit him. He went upstairs to the attic where he used to go to be away from everything else and other people. And there he struggled with that and surrendered. And he came out of that attic a changed young man. And there was a change in his life. There was a hunger for God, a hunger for God's word. And he read, he studied, and followed the Lord. Last Sunday, there was a... Um, Grace Press News, I don't know how many of you saw this. I think they were in our mailboxes last week or the week before. I like to read these. But uh, this one tells part of uh, some of about a, a man named Zad who lived uh, in that border region between Turkey and Iraq where the Kurds, he was a Kurd, and he was a, a violent man and um, worked for the warlord who was kind of um, the king, as it were, of that area. And there was a, a foreigner who moved into a town. His name was John, and he started a little bookstore and sold Bibles. And the warlord did not want this man there. So Zed took some men with him and went to fix this problem. And he decided that we won't kill him first. We'll just give him a good scare, maybe beat him up a little bit. And if he doesn't get the, get the idea and leave, we can kill him later. So when they got to the shop, Zed kicked the door open and went inside and said, so you're the man who is trying to make men into Christians. John looked up surprised and smiled. And then he saw the men behind Zed and they had guns. And just for a moment, there was fear in John's eyes and Zad liked moments like that. It made him feel good to see terrified people in front of him. But then the fear faded and John said kindly, please sit down and tell me why you came to the bookshop. Well, that surprised Zad. John pulled a beautiful leather Bible with pictures in it from a place behind his shelves 
And he said, this is the nicest, most expensive Bible that I have. And nobody has, nobody's able to afford it, so I haven't been able to sell it. I don't sell many like this. But I see you are a man of great honor, and I want to give it to you as a gift. Out of my respect for you, please read it first. And then if you want to, you can kill me. Zed took the Bible and he started to hear an inner voice telling him that the book that he had just been given was very important. He took the book, stuffed it in his knapsack, and he left the shop and went home and began to read the Bible. John had put a marker at the beginning of the New Testament, so that's where Zad began to read. And something began something began to stir in his heart. In the beginning was the word, he read when he came to John. He knew that this was something more than a book. There was something powerful here. For God so loved the world You should, you should read it. He became a Christian and he ended up uh, being involved in Bible distribution at the risk of his own life. It doesn't tell the whole story. At the end here it says, to be continued next issue. So I want to I read that. But I encourage you to read it. Read it to your children. It's a good uh, family devotion account. The resurrected life. The resurrection and the life. We believe God. We believe what he said. We love him. We feed on his word. We obey him. We repent. Joe, Joe talked this morning about the, uh, the law, and this would be true of the Word and the Spirit of God, pulling open those, uh, a, a shade from a window on a sunny day when there's dust in the room, you know, you've seen that dust as a rays of light come through, and that's what God's Word, God's Spirit does to us, and sometimes that's uh, an indication, an encouragement that God is at work we see big things that need to be done that aren't happening, that haven't happened. Selfishness in corners we didn't notice. And let's not despair. Let's be encouraged. God has shown us something. We're getting close enough to see more. But repent. And pray. And believe. 
and love and feed and obey and repent and pray. verses from 2 Peter. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is, he is risen. And for Christians, he is risen in our hearts. And he would bear he would desire to see bearing in our lives resurrection fruit, the fruit of a new life in Christ, which is a testimony, which is a powerful testimony of the resurrection and of the good news. And so we continue to tell the news, the gospel. He is risen. Shall we have a song?